This call is being recorded. Hey, it's Jay. Um, Unthinkable started in a very simple place. I was fed up with a lot of the crap that people seem content to publish in the content marketing space. I lamented the fact that there was no community around the content-centric content marketers out there. And I decided I wanted to build a podcast because it seemed like fun. That's it. All pretty simple. But where it's gone in the last year has been, I mean, like, truly freaking awesome. And it's only a year. Like, I'm still eating crap and skinning my knees every day trying to make this thing work. I've gotten to travel the country and speak. I've gotten to uh, branch out of my comfort zone almost every week. I feel like I'm taking my lumps. And you have been incredibly generous and incredibly, I don't know, emotional, just like I am about all this stuff. So like, it's blown me away. And I don't even feel like the game has started. I feel like I'm taking my practice swings before the first inning. So anyways, as we take a couple of weeks off to work on a lot of things, to work on episodes, to work on thinking, to work on the business, I, uh, I wanted to share something a little sneaky as a way of saying thank you, as a way of pulling back the, cur- the curtain and being more transparent, uh, and just because I think this would be a really fun treat for people who have come along for the journey for a lot of weeks now. So every week, I have a call with my executive producer, mentor, friend, Andrew Davis. He's a best-selling author, a public speaker, uh, a very successful guy. And Andrew had no idea that when I asked him to record the call, I was actually going to share it publicly. He just thought I wanted to listen back to the call that we had. So here is Andrew and my call, only very lightly edited, taking out some sensitive stuff. But other than that, you're getting almost everything we talked about. And we talked about a lot. So without giving you too much context, away we go. I'm kind of nervous about sharing this, but I think if anyone deserves to hear 100% transparency and what I'm up to, it's you. All right. Here goes nothing. Hey, hey. Hey, good morning. What's up? Not much, man. Happy New Year. Have I talked to you since New Year? I don't think so. No, no, no. And it's good that we waited because my brain is now back from the ski house. Uh, My body got back sooner than my brain. (laughs) How was the skiing, man? Did you have a good time? It was fun. You mean the no skiing because I don't ski. Well, right. Yeah, the no skiing, the the cooking and, uh, and, and, yeah, drinking, I guess. Oh, yeah, being house chef, enjoying a good bourbon, playing board games, and, like, walking in the woods in the snow was incredible. That's awesome. Was it freezing, yeah. freezing cold, or was it pretty decent, uh, like mild? Like I like skiing when it's you know thirty-one degrees and no wind. <clears throat> like, that's yeah, my so favorite it, winter. It was the exact opposite of that. It was like, oh. well, the first day, the first day for the skiers, they were like pummeled. It was crowded. It was windy, snowy, <laughs> uh, and then I was like loving it because I'm in either the cabin or the lodge, and I'm like looking out the window at all the cold while I'm sipping a warm drink. So <laughs> fine by me. Well, um, I'm recording the call, by the way. Thanks. Uh, cool. So you can have it. Um, so I wanted, yeah, I wanted to talk about the repositioning of Unthinkable, especially as I was going through um, the brand blueprint yeah. kind of again as we're revisiting it. Um, and I keep thinking, like even when I got the email, and I, I know like I, it wasn't that I was surprised by the email, but I just am constantly thinking, do creators like – who are creators in a much more specific sense in your mind? 
Yeah, so I've, this has been the single biggest struggle that maybe I haven't voiced as much as I should have, which is I feel strongly about going really deep with a group of people that you both know and love and can run through walls to serve if things get stressful. And so for me, I feel like when I go, like I'm willing and happy to go speak to HR and sales and even like traditional marketing or service marketing, like that's all going to be great. But my home, like my world are people who make stuff for the internet or have a craft offline, like just people who tinker for fun and love it and also want to make a living doing that. And so what I'm struggling with is like the idea we have is really big and applies to anybody doing any job as long as they have this like psychological or mental state that ties it all together, right? There is a, there is a thread. It's just not job function based, but am I applying it? to my core group, the people I love, like the thing that gets me super excited in the world is like, who am I helping? I'm helping people that have a craft um, and, and create. And, and so it feels authentic when I like get up and start talking to people about the content side of content marketing. And I feel like I have a, I'm a, I could be a beacon to people in that space. It feels a little bit less authentic when I go out to another organization or group you know, not that that's not worthy, not that I'm not excited about it. It just feels like I don't have the depth there. So this has been a a really big struggle that I could use some help making sense of. Yeah, I think, um, by the way, especially, especially on the content brand side, especially on the uh, content I'm producing to grow an audience, because I feel like it's really hard to be generic. Um, Like, I, if I start showing it to like, you know, like Seth Godin territory is scary to me, because it's, it's very, very much based on who he is, not what he's saying. And for me, it's got to be based on what I'm saying. And so that means, well, who am I saying it to? Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I think I'm, I think creators to me is too vague. Like if I was going to self-select, I mean, I think of myself as a creator, I think in your definition of a creator, like I create shit for the internet. I love doing it. Uh, You know, like I think I should be your perfect audience. But even when I read, like, the repositioning, I don't see myself there. And I'm like, why, why, why do – I mean, I feel like I'm your 100% your exact audience. Right. Um, and so I think, I think you're not leaning – you're, like, in a vague territory where it's – I'm not sure if this is for me in, instead of this is definitely for me. Mm-hmm. So – if you're going to create, if, if unthinkable, the podcast is for people, uh, for marketers, not, not the marketers who, you know, set up Salesforce and, uh, you know, get your lead gen tool working, but the marketer that writes the freaking email and the marketer who's, you know, supposed to post shit on Instagram and the marketer who's writing a blog post a day, then we really have to identify that audience i have to see myself there um and i don't so so i think i think you have to get more specific to to so that that audience sees themselves and doesn't think for them got it yeah so like when i started all this before we even landed on intuition certainly before i had clarity around like the what what we're doing graphic and how we're doing a graphic yeah. The, you know, the initial stuff I was writing as like a precursor to the show was like, I'm bothered by suck. I know you are too. 
why is yeah. there more focus on the content side of content marketing? Like, yeah. And the things I was saying, there were people who were throwing up their hands and being like, yes, oh my God, like, thank that's you. Me. And yeah, and that's what right, we're talking about. Right. And, and I feel like I'm starting to lose that because we are aspiring to a big idea, but maybe, so I guess what I'm struggling with is like huge, huge idea that can translate everywhere. Are, are you saying we're just starting with like, let's drive a wedge that's strong to content marketing creators? Yeah, I'm saying Unthinkable the show needs to have a really clear audience and explore yeah. the idea for them. Well, let's think of the speaking product as versatile enough that it could be for HR people. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, yeah, so I I I think um I think unless we really are exploring um, in a deep way, like how you apply this bridge to content marketers, how do they actually, uh, you know, bridge this gap? We're not sure if it works. And if it's too vague, uh, yeah, people aren't going to raise their hand and subscribe. They also won't get the homework or whatever. You know, the, the examples won't apply to them. Um, yeah. To use to use Carla's term, they'll get brand detachment disorder, where they're like, "Well, that's great, but you know, that's not me." Mm -hmm. uh, and and I think you so so yeah, I think creators is too vague, and I can't picture who the audience is. And even if we we're gonna attract the audience, it's like I'm not sure where we go or who we right. partner with. Right. So this has been real. It's, to me, this has been a product of tactics more than philosophy like I get it on the level okay. we're talking to now let's like if we zoom okay. in a little bit like for me it's like okay I get that the talk is flexible and maybe speaker page stuff implies flexibility too <laughs> like yeah. the unthinkable home page or the introduction sentence I use in the show in my voiceover are those yeah. things addressing whatever the pithy version of like content centric content marketers is yeah okay I think I think so. I think it's like because I, I feel good about that, and I feel like I know like whenever I say that stuff, like if I appear on a marketing show, I'm like, oh, I know who these people are, and they're like, what yeah. are you building? I'm like, I'm building the content focused content marketers home base and community and products. Like I am trying to serve that group, and everyone's like, oh, awesome, mm -hmm. I get that. Um, and there's a very clear yes, I want that, or no, I don't, which I love. Um, and then when I back it up to like the website, I'm like. So it's average to exceptional or it's intuition. Like it feels very watered down. I think, yeah, I think it's like if we took it in three steps, it's um, that you're helping the marketer, content marketers who want to focus on the content, understand how you create exceptional content from, you know, and go from average stuff to exceptional. Uh, and, and, and the third piece is maybe you use a bridge. Right. Is that, so I'm just does that help? Down. Yep. Definitely. All right. Um, this is what I've wanted, but this is what I've been a little intimidated to say because what I'm worried is, is it prevents, you know, it's the classic like, do as I say, not as I do. Like I, I will tell someone on a stage to like focus on a niche. And now what I'm doing is I'm actually like, where's my niche? It's like too broad, um, too, too meandering. Um, 
yeah, so yeah. I, I want to get back to yeah I want to get back to depth yeah I think it's so like I was actually thinking and even when I recorded the um like going through the the brand blueprints I pulled up yours because I was like hey Jay's done a lot of work on his so let's look at Jay's so you get a good idea of what we're talking about and when with you know like as I read the audience piece I was like oh shit yeah this seems too vague so I I think like the first thing we should do or as you're working on the blueprint next week for unthinkable the content brand I think you need to really hone in on exactly who that audience is it is it like the Luke's at IBM um I mean sorry at Intel um who's trying to do exceptional things who does believe that the content drives the vote um you know, or is it, is it, uh, people who are trying to build startups, you know, because I think that's where we've, uh, like even, even the distinction between when you say people who have a craft or tinker on the side, that all of a sudden makes me feel like it's not for me. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because I don't feel like I tinker on the side. Maybe I do. Um, and maybe I do care about the craft, but those are things that I just don't identify with because I'm not yet in your tribe. Like maybe in a year I'll get that. Does that make sense? Yep, absolutely. It's, yes. like, it's like the second step. It's like, oh, I am a craft-driven tre- creator. I didn't realize that until now Jay's educated me. And that's the difference between me and everyone else. But I don't feel like I tinker on the side. I don't feel like I necessarily need side projects, and maybe I do. But you've you got to kind of convince me of that, I think, as part of your team. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's just helpful. Because I actually don't think you want people who – I mean, this is my gut feeling. I don't think you want people who just have a million side projects because I don't think that they, that means they're a craft-driven creator. Correct. And, well, I mean, it could. It, it's very gray. So it if someone could. is like – yeah, if someone is launching these, it's about the intent. If I have a million side projects and it's in the name of like, I really want to be a great video producer. And so I'm still on the hunt for the side project that's going to, you know, work out the right muscle. So I'm like hyperactive on the side, but it's in the name of the right thing. Sure. If you're just someone who's like, like a perfect example, is there's this guy who's like a product manager, product designer. He used to work for a couple of companies. Now he's a consultant. And he's got all these courses and blog posts and article and uh, videos and he's on Snapchat and he has all these like side projects. To me, he is not that person because what he's doing the side project for is to find big end results quickly instead of to hone his craft. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so he's it's, not someone I want. Well, so, I mean, I, maybe it's a more fundamental uh, difference between like whenever I hear hear you talk about the side projects now in the context of the the bridge that you've built they seem less relevant maybe or maybe i just don't know where they fit the slingshots no not the episodes i'm talking about the, like the concept as a whole so like mm. um as soon as I've set an aspirational anchor, like yours, for example, you want to be the Anthony yep. Bourdain of, of uh, the business world, right? Yeah. Um, I can see that, that a side project that allows you to flex that muscle is a good idea in the context of the bridge somewhere. Right, 
Right. Um, which is very different than what we explored when we talked about Alec Brownstein. Yeah, he oh, just 100%. Yeah, he had a I'm million. Not, I'm not getting, correct. I'm not getting religion over that. I, I like anything we've done to date has been poking down different avenues. Some of it we're going to backtrack on and, and ignore. Um, for me, it's like, okay, the constrained project. So I have the aspirational anchor, Anthony Bourdain right. of yeah, business yeah, content. Yeah. My, my first principal insight is, you know, um, really great stories. So if I want truly that, an, that anchor as the end result, like the first principal insight is like really great stories that humans love um, can often come from the day to day. Like it's not like people love that stuff. It's not necessarily, oh my God, I have to be on TV, on CNN, I have to travel the world. No, I can go down the street and talk to someone who has a side blog or somebody who works for a B2B marketing company and still deliver the story that's Anthony Bourdain-like. That's my first principle insight. Okay, the next step on that bridge is what is my constrained project? So now the world's my oyster. Is it, is it a side project? Maybe. Is it my day job? Maybe. Like, that's where the side I project think, can yeah. come in. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, so I think if we're using the bridge to, to go through your, your, your uh, aspirational anchor, um, it's funny because I every I say foster aspiration so much that I always want to say it when you when I'm thinking <laughs> aspirational anchor. Um, you have stage brain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want. I think. Um, I think you want to use unthinkable the podcast to be your constrained project for that that concept. It's a hundred percent. Like yeah, that is why I want yeah. to re-engineer. Uh, that is why I'm practicing voiceover work. That is why I want to improve the performance on the stage. That is why I want to re-engineer the actual rundown because um, I, like, I could yeah. be producing audio, audio documentaries in the same way that you know, Bourdain does it on, on TV. Yeah, so I think, okay, so let's keep going with that. Uh, so this okay. is, and we're down on number four. We'll come back to speaking. Um, so yeah, I think, if that's the case, you had told me that you went through an episode of, or a couple episodes maybe of uh, Burdain's show, mm -hmm. uh, when we were working on the outcome for for iView. Yeah. Um, um, did you did you write like a meta format from that? I did, and then now I can't find the notebook that. Ha oh wait, hold on. Maybe oh, that's fuck, this one. Really? I know, I know. I was like, oh my god, I spent so much time on that. Um, wait, hold on. Please be it. I have multiple notebooks that look the same. I got to stop. Oh, that's annoying. Damn. Okay. I, I, yes. Here it is. I got it. Okay. So let's walk through it. Just walk me through okay. it. Okay, cool. So, so basically what I did is I sat down, I watched, I watched one Bourdain episode and I tried to get this like meta framework for what he does. And then I tried to see how it stacked up on two or three episodes. Okay. So, all right. So the first thing is, is, you know, the cold open, it's roughly 40 to 60 seconds. He basically shows some B-roll, um, either him walking or something in the scene uh, in the city. And basically this section is the tension and some vivid descriptions of the what. So the tension is like, Mexico is a country where every day people fight to live. All too yeah. often, they lose that battle. So he really brings a punch right in the beginning. Often he'll, yeah, say, awesome. some, he'll say something like, you know, uh, you've seen, this is, chances are this is a place you've never seen before. This is the very first episode of his show in season one and in Myanmar. And he's like, chances are this is a place you've never seen before. If you have seen it, it's been violent images and videos. But something incredible is happening in an unexpected way. 
that's the that's the open. Um, See, that's great. Yeah. So the so right. he, he pairs this like high stakes drama with vivid yeah. descriptions of of what you're okay. about to experience. The second uh, section. Yeah. So then then it hits the you know intro theme hits, um, and then you go to A block. Yep. And A block is continuing with this drama. It is what I'm calling the unseen complexity. So that's where he's like okay. pulling out from the day to day of a place the unseen complexity that like you might miss if you just go to that place, whether it is an exotic place or it's just some place that seems picked over that you've been. And that's about yeah. two minutes. So he has things like music and B-roll to introduce that section. In about 20 seconds, there's like a contained vignette to set the theme. Um, yep. And this is where he starts to interview a guest and the music transitions. So usually what happens is the host is in motion with the subject, whether that's eating in motion or driving yeah. or walking, like usually that's the next scene is like, he is doing voiceover in a quick hitting vignette to set set up the theme that he hinted at in the cold open. And you're seeing that, oh, he's with somebody, clearly this is the guide to that theme. Um, yeah. then, he, then he delivers a bite from that expert, from that subject. So they're the first to speak typically. Um, so in the Mexico, example he talks about the fighting to live then you see him in a cab and you see the cabbie and you hear his voiceover or his his voice from the back of a cab while the shot is on the cabbie and Bourdain says our murder is going up and then the rest of that 20 second period is the cabbie speaking yeah and then what happens is his voiceover kicks in he distills the bite for everybody to understand uh and then then he introduces who you just heard like who he's actually speaking to. And then basically it's yeah. like a short interview about that. So that's about a two minute long section or block. So in that case, it was about like the violent Mexico city environment. Right. right. Okay. So like, you know, you have this cabbie who lives it day to day, sees it day to day and Bourdain asks yeah. him a couple of questions. Once you realize, okay, I'm in a cab. Here's a cabbie. The first question was about the theme that he hinted at this fighting to live. He goes right for the drama, the murders. Are they going up? You hear the bite. Then the voiceover kicks in to describe, like, this is what that means. And then they go back into the interview and have, like, two or three questions. Gotcha. All cool. right. So this making sense so, so far? Is this the way you want to do it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It makes sense so far. But let's just pause for a second and try to think what that would look like if it was a business show. Okay. <clears throat> um, so know. let's use hey. Brenner. Easy example. Um, yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to think. Yeah, sure. Let's let's try Brenner. Okay. So I mean, um, the theme the theme supersedes the. Yeah. The subject. So. Like, uh, let's do this before we do that. Yeah. What, his his show is always about the place, right? At the at the core, like that's kind of the mm -hmm. star, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, what's your place? Like, what's the version of a place in your show? Interesting question. I think. 
Well, let me start throwing, uh, possibilities could include the, like, trend in business that you're familiar with. Because in a way, he does start with the familiar, Bourdain. He's like, we're in Mexico, like you've heard of Mexico. Um, yeah. So it could be like, you know, like we're talking about making decisions based on data. You, you use data. Um, so it could be that. Or it could be like a more ephemeral thing, which is like when you're the moment when you're on that precipice between average and exceptional and it looks like a leap. Like every episode should tee up something in a different way when you're staring down that chasm. Um, you know, I, 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 or the person's story. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I'm not, um, I'm not sure. Neither, neither of those feel right yet. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, if we're thinking that this is like, okay, the show is about marketing. Um, is it about the product this person sells? Um, is it like, is it about think, the market marketing they've used? Well, go back to, to why we're doing the show and where it fits in people's lives. Like it's a Monday morning, you're heading to work. You may be excited, you may be disillusioned, but like the goal is, and the reason people email me long paragraphs that I'm super flattered by is like, uh, it's, it's the aspiration. It's like, I'm on the hunt for meaning through this creative craft, you know, and come hell or high water, I'm going to find it because I have this aspiration. Side projects, day job, doesn't matter. Um, so I think it starts with somebody maybe aspiring to do something in a way that feels okay. somewhat familiar. So it's not like I'm aspiring to send people to Mars. It's like, you know, I'm aspiring to, to help somebody in a big way, or I'm, I'm aspiring to get permission to do something. Or in Michael's case, it was, you know, his aspiration there was like, he wants to impress his boss. He wants to do a good job. It's not bad. There's, yeah. None of this exists without somebody aspiring to something. That's what I keep coming back. Like, if you're not aspiring to anything, I probably shouldn't be working with you. You probably shouldn't be listening to the show. <laughs> yeah. Really? If, like, fair, if you're just like, I want to B2B, B2B blog that generates leads and whatever the hell it takes to do that, like, that's what we're going to create. Like, cool. If you, aspire, if you have zero aspirations grander than that, you're not in my tribe. So, yeah, so if it's, Just uh, just go back to his opening for the Mexico City. What does he say? Mexico is a country where every day people fight to live. And all too often, they lose that battle. All right. And then there's, let's, then, let's then, then there's write, a vivid just, description that follows. Yeah, just stop right there. So, like, write cool. that for Michael Brenner. All right, let me do this. All right, so it was just two sentences. So let me see if I can get this. Yeah. So here's yeah. what I would say. At every company, every day, an executive is asking their marketers for the right way forward. And all too often, they start looking in the wrong place. Okay, that's good. What would follow? Your vivid description? Yeah, so let's, Bourdain's is, Mexico is right there. It's dark, 
vibrant, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He describes, you know, traits of Mexico. And then at the end, he's like our brother from another mother. And then there's like a really dramatic B-roll shot of something crazy happening. And then yeah. the theme hits. And so this is okay, where so, I would say, yeah. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So he's, what he's describing here, the dark, the vibrancy, et cetera, uh, he's describing the setting where people fight to live. So he's giving you the stakes right away, and then he's describing where those stakes play out. Yep. And so the stakes here are companies or executives asking marketers for the right way forward, but you start looking for those answers in the wrong place as marketers. Where does that play out? Um, you know, you could talk about looking to the data. That was the theme of that episode. It's like GA is right there. It gives you the answer. Listicles online. It's all so final and tempting and concrete, but is it? Okay, so remember a long time ago, I told you like mimicry is the easiest way to to build a format or like embody a voice. Mm -hmm. um, I, I actually, I think you should do this with one full episode of, of Burdain's show. Like take that Mexico episode and do exactly what you're doing. Like I'm gonna retell the Brenner story in exactly like as close as I can mimic Bourdain's voice and style and beats um, to get through an entire story. Okay. That's awesome. And I, I think, I mean, the long-term goal isn't that you do this every episode, like, all right, let me just mimic Bourdain, but that it, that after you've done it three times, <laughs> you know, what works for you versus what works for Bourdain and you start extracting your voice from Bourdain's voice. Right. Right. Like you have your own version of statements like, you know, a brother from another mother. Sure. I mean, to be honest, it sounds pretty close, but what's your version <laughs> of that? How does it, no, I get it. it I get across? it. He's yeah, no. And I've, already, I've thought about this a lot. Like he, I know the traits that make him, him. I know the traits that we overlap on. I know the traits that make me. Yeah. Me. Good. And so that, that part's going to be easy. I like the idea of going through this process to find a, a framework essentially. So, yeah. So I would do that. And cool. if you're feeling really brave, do it for the next, the, the next feature story you're working on. Okay. Um, it might be really hard. It's a lot easier when it's something you're really familiar with that you've already done. Yeah. Um, but like when I wrote town Inc, I actually pulled out tipping point and like almost sentence for sentence wrote the intro for town Inc based on mm -hmm. mimicking the voice of Gladwell. Um, and then I, obviously I, after that, I rewrote it. Um, right. but uh, like a, a, maybe a number of times, but it really set the tone and helped me understand the, like how I wanted to communicate it. Right. Um, and I, I, you know, I found it really, really helpful. So I'd say, I'd say doing exactly what you've done to get to the new unthinkable format that really does, um, turn unthinkable into, you know, the content marketers, uh, version of Bourdain's travel show, I think yeah. you're on to something. Cool. Yeah, and, and I understand this is the exercise to, to find his framework to break it to make my own version yeah, and my, exactly, put my stamp exactly. on it. I, I totally get that.
Yeah, I totally get that. All right, cool. All right, cool. so let's do that. Um, you want to walk it. me through like the the uh, Mad Lib statement, by the way? Oh yeah, there's a great CMO in Boston named Mike Troiano that I've gotten to know, and yeah, he's know worked Mike. at a. Yeah. Oh, you know Mike? Okay, cool. Yeah. So he he's got this brand positioning statement, which is like for Target, who are segments of the Target. This brand provides the category with this distinction because of proof. So it's like a way to at least internally start honing what the hell it is you do, what you are. And okay. so I need to rework the who part, the, the target. Yeah, target. Talking yeah. About. Yep. But let's just glaze over that part. So for creators, CBD, who aspire to do mm-hmm. exceptional things, unthinkable provides the stories and support that inspire and empower. Uh, oh, this is actually an old version, but it says that inspire and empower them to turn a daunting chasm into their own sturdy bridge across because it's them doing it's personal. I'm not yeah. trying to prescribe the way I'm trying to give them the tools so they can decide for themselves. Um, yeah, good. Yeah. So for creators who aspire to do exceptional things, unthinkable provides the stories and support, you know, that's community, that's product, that's services that inspire and empower them to turn a daunting chasm into their own sturdy bridge across. That's good. I like your, I like the, I mean, I like the, the little mad list. Format. It's um, super helpful. Maybe we should yeah. try it with everybody. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like that. Yeah. So I think if you can, yeah, if you can hone in on the target, mm-hmm. um, as you're reworking the brand blueprint, I think it'll help a lot. Right. Yeah. I'm um, excited about that. All right, cool. Um, all right. So wait, let's, um, well, so do you feel better about the positioning of Unthinkable? 100%. Yep. Totally. Good, good. Totally. With a, a little right. more time and effort on it, but the right direction is definitely being yeah, set. Good. All right, good. And then I think, yeah, I think we should figure out as you're going through the brand blueprint, what to do with like things like slingshots, um, Mm-hmm. you know, moving yeah. forward. And so, yeah, so let's use like the next, you know, week or two to really redefine this so that we know where we're going. Yeah, definitely. All right. All right, cool. Uh, let's go back to speaking quickly. Um, I had slacked you a bunch of examples to look at. Did you see those? It was it was all over the holidays, so you may not have. Mm. I need to organize them in a better way. It was like, hey, Jay, check out um, the 100 K homeless challenge. Yep. Yes. Um, those ones. Uh, they're, yeah, they're so. really interesting to me because they're kind of organizationally unthinkable as well as unthinkable individuals. Um, like there was a, one of them I, I just blacked, I think yesterday is this guy that gives out positive tickets. He's a, he's a police chief. And he basically decided to like, you know, people, people in the community hate us because every time they see us, we give them a, a ticket or we arrest them. What if when we saw something good going on, we, we gave out a positive ticket and like a free movie pass to go to the movie theater or, you know, a dinner at a nice restaurant. So they started doing this and it was unbelievably successful in changing the way the community looked at the police, but also reducing crime in, in minors and all this other stuff. Um, it's kind of an unthinkable idea to me. Um, so anyway, there are a bunch of those. I'll try to, I'll try for our next meeting to do a better job of, 
um, putting these together in a place that everybody can use them. Because I've realized a lot that a lot of these case studies with a different lens would work for champion leader for Brenner, you know, or, mm-hmm. uh, or you know, for creative on demand for Carla. Um, so, but anyway, uh, yeah, I think, I think if you can think really hard about what the next version looks like for Unthinkable, that would be great for content marketing world as well as other stuff possibly. Okay. When I, when I first started presenting stories like the chicken whisperer or, um, or even meatloaf actually, uh, like the, the difference between today and those original ones, it, it, you know, like the first meatloaf thing, I think was 15 minutes. Now mm-hmm. it's maybe six, um, because you get really good at, at realizing, especially when you have a time constraint, like what is absolutely necessary to this story to make it work for the audience. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like even at the expense of like, this is a great joke, but the setup takes a minute and a half and it's really irrelevant to the story. Um, okay. Right. Well, I guess I'm going to cut this. So. Yeah, don't, I think let's try it the way we want to do it, um, even in an outline. And I, I'm pretty good at being able to say, like, okay, this is five minutes. This is seven minutes. Like, oh, look, we added it up. It's 138 minutes. Like, we have a problem. Um, so, yeah, let's, I, let's, let's go the way we want to go and see how it looks. Okay. That sounds good. Look, Bourdain is really, re- I mean, he's masterful at, like uh, a choice of words that is Im- Im- imbued with feeling and emotion, um, but he's really efficient with his words. Yep, totally. That is a skill that I admire from him. And I think, yeah, and I, go ahead. well, what I was going to say was one thing that I've realized, even in the, you know, three or four weeks doing this full time now, is blocking time to actually think and practice is so important even in the face of like stuff i just feel like i i gotta get done like i gotta write i gotta you know create it just it i i will not succeed unless i'm taking that time yeah i think that's fair i think i I do think those things like if if you're going to spend the next month really trying to master the bourdain feel and sound and voice and turn it into jays you've got to imbue that other stuff and take the extra time to make it feel that way. Like if you're going to write a, you know, a, a, a 1200 word post and you think Bourdain would do it more efficiently and half that, where's your 600 word version of it? Even if it's shitty, like let's, let's force ourselves to get there. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's just, it's because, a product of like trying to just literally produce too much content that's yeah, preventing me yeah. from thinking and being strategic. Yeah. I think, I think for the next, the next four weeks, anything you produce, you've got to, you got to have Bourdain in your head. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm even saying with tweets, like I haven't actually read Bourdain's tweets very often. Um, and I don't know if they're as pithy or as well-worded, or as observational and insightful as his the stuff he writes for his shows or his book for that matter. But if it is, there, yeah, I follow him. Yeah, there's a, there's an element. It's a little bit less obvious. Yeah, I think I think you should challenge yourself to spend an extra minute on the tweet trying to figure out what would Bourdain say if he was going to try to say the same thing. Right. Yeah, I'm just right. thinking about I'm just thinking about the growth of the show. 
and how like the hyperactivity that I've had has been in name of growing the show, but it's, you know, it'd be a leakier bucket if I continue down that path. Yeah. And I think it's frustrating. Um, and yeah. I don't think it's, it's, I don't think it's necessarily supporting your aspirational anchor. Um, like I love, I think the world is in desperate need of an Anthony Bourdain for business. And uh, like, it's a gold mine if you can do it. I'm going to do it. That's, um, that's what I'm going to yeah. do. That's like the reason I, this is the reason I have no other job. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah. I mean, I th- look, um, let's focus on the Anthony Bourdain part of the aspirational anchor. Like even less so business at this point. Like, can you embody and imbue that voice and really get to the point at which it's it's so tight and smart that you're just enamored every time you read it or you see yeah. it. You're like, damn, yeah. I wish I could do that. Because um, mm-hmm. that's that's gonna make whatever you do stand out in a way that just doesn't exist. Right. You know, even if it's not business oriented. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, all right, well, yeah, so let's do it. Let's focus on the Anthony Bourdain stuff. Let's start writing okay. and thinking that way. Um, and I think the exercise to kind of really mimic an episode is a really valuable one in that sense. Um, right. I, like, I would imagine that if you can do this for a month, it'll, it will become second nature and you won't need to mimic. You'll actually have it. Um, yeah. But that's going to take real, like, religious fortitude. Like, I could send this right now. I mean, even if you're writing an email, like, seriously, try to think about what would Bourdain say? Like, how would he write this? Mm-hmm. Um, like, your no thank you email? Is that what Bourdain would write? <laughs> no. So rewrite he it. He respond. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think he would. I just think it's... Yeah, no, yeah, he would. I'd... he would say something like, like, dude, super flattered. I have so much on my plate. I'm going to crap myself. Sorry, I can't make this work. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty efficient. Yeah. And, it, it, like, it's done in a way that I, I get completely and doesn't seem like a turnoff because that's Bourdain's voice. Right, right. <laughs> well, I love this, man. Yeah. I think this is, this is the focus I've been lacking, both on the voice kind of aspirational front, but also the target audience front. Like, those have been the ghosts that i'm chasing that didn't seem real until right now all right well yeah so so let's work on the brand blueprint mm-hmm. get that stuff nailed down and let's mm-hmm. let's nail down the outline by next week for the smps event um with this like bourdain of you know voice in mind uh kind of hovering over us with everything we do yeah that sounds good all right awesome and yeah, this has been great, man. Have a good weekend. Yeah. yeah you As you're watching the, the tutorial videos, let me know what you think. Um, okay. And also, oh, by the way, one of the other tasks is to rewrite your bio, which I know you've done a bunch of times. Um, and I just reworked mine this morning. Um, okay. But but it's a really good exercise to to look at Bourdain's bio. <laughs> think oh. like Bourdain. Interesting. Um, I yeah. Have a, I haven't looked at it, but I think if you, if you know, even look at his jacket, like the back of his book jacket covers, what, how does he position himself and what does it right. sound like? Right. That's awesome. I love this. This is, this is so helpful. I feel like I'm going to sprint. All right, good. Go for it.
Uh, let me not keep you from sprinting, dude. Go for a run, and I'll see you on Snapchat. All right. <laughs> All right yeah. Have a good weekend. Talk to you. Bye. You too. Bye. Bye. Okay, so now you know what I get up to when I'm not speaking directly in your ear holes. <laughs> um, if you have thoughts, if you have feelings, if you have criticisms, questions, concerns, email me. I'm just j at unthinkable.fm, J-A-Y at unthinkable.fm. I'd love to hear from you. Hopefully, I can continue to do more of this. I do this all the time on Snapchat in small daily doses. I do a series there called One a Day on My Way where I share one thing I'm learning and doing every single day on my way to being a speaker, a writer, and a podcaster for a living. So that's Snapchat, same handle as everywhere else, just Jay Kunzo. You can also go to my YouTube page, same deal. I share all of my uploaded snaps so you can see that series. All right, that's it for this week. We're back in a couple with more episodes of Unthinkable. In the meantime, trust your intuition. It's the only way to go from average to exceptional. Good luck.